Welcome to another episode of Warriors and Hope with Valerie Silvera. Before we get started on this episode, I wanted to remind you about the Freedom Experience in Scottsdale, Arizona on October 6th and 7th. This is an incredible, empowering event that you will not want to miss. Let's face it, anybody who's lived a couple of decades on this planet has been blindsided by something. Fear has come calling, and this is going to be two days you will not forget. You will have tools and all sorts of inspiration and empowerment to take with you, not just for the rest of the year, but for the rest of your life. You should be there if you no longer want fear to write your story. If you're ready for true empowerment, not just some feel-good stories. If you're willing to come with an open heart and mind, you are going to learn so much. If you're tired of living with shame, guilt, or judgment, man, I lived with that for far too many years. If you want to learn how to overcome the grip that grief has over you, you want a life-changing experience that you can take with you, and you want to have fun doing it, you should join us for the Freedom Experience. Go to ValerieSilvera.com. It's the first thing you'll see on my page. And just say yes to freedom. Hello there, my friends and fellow warriors. Today, I have one of my very special episodes with a person that God brought into my life at, well, of course, the perfect time. Uh, but we started out with a business relationship and quickly turned into friends. She's a mentor. I don't even know where to start with Mana and who she is as a person. But before we get into that, I want to talk to you a little bit about what she's accomplished. And because this bio was either written by her or edited by her, I can tell you that it's probably downplayed because she's a very humble person. And I want you to hear about her accomplishments because we're even going to take it further because we're really going to learn a lot more about who she is, which is even more important. So Manico is the founder and CEO of Humanity. Isn't that cool? T-E-A, Humanity. She's a believer, a behavioral and social hope scientist, which I must ask about, a manifester, which means she makes things happen, a storyteller, an abolitionist, mentor, dog and animal lover, warrior, and dreamer. One of her rare gifts is the ability to see people's one-of-a-kind calling. I can attest to that. And to know how to help them step into that promise. If you find her looking at you a little longer than a passing glance, she's admiring the gold in you. I'm telling you right now, if you see her going silent for a moment looking at you, she's seeing into your soul. It's amazing. Mana, affectionately known as your purpose professor, has a diverse field of experience as an entrepreneur, author, multiple TEDx speaker, international speaker, educator, scholar, and transformational leader. She has an EDH in leadership for change, a PhD in philosophy, and an MA in psychology. I wonder what she does in her spare time. <laughs> <laughs> and graduate certifications in several health disciplines. Man has also recently achieved executive certifications from Harvard University's Kennedy School of Government, 
Harvard Business School and Harvard T.C. Chan School of Public Health, as well as executive certifications from MIT's Sloan's School of Management in Negotiation and Conflict Resolution. She's authored numerous articles, papers, curricula, and over two dozen books, including her lauded autobiographical novel, To Run With Horses, and her adorable children's book series, Sophie and Solo's Fun Adventures. Mana's calling is to teach, challenge, stretch, and equip others to live out their purposeful gifts in a world hungry for authentic, honorable, and meaningful relationships. She is a fierce yet fun-loving and compassionate modern-day warrior committed to being a voice of truth, justice, honor, kindness, and generosity for humanity. That's where she gets the humanity. She lives a grateful life with her family and her family. So welcome to Warriors and Hope, Manico. Hi, thank you. It's an honor to be here with you, Valerie. I love your work so much. I'm so inspired by you. Wow. It's amazing because when I look at your bio, I go, wow, mine says, you know, a high school diploma. No, but, yours. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about it is, is though that you have a lot of accomplishments and I don't want to uh, in any way discredit them because they are, I mean, I'm in awe of you all the time. But for somebody to have this type of a bio and then also have the heart that you do that is such a genuine heart for other people is, I think it's a rare gift. And so I thank God all the time that he allowed our paths to cross. Me too. Me too. Thank you. So if people were to read, now I haven't read To Run With Horses, but is that book a, another version of Made For More? It is the second edition, and uh, I felt, although I didn't want to, I felt like I was supposed to uh, create a second edition called To Run With Horses, and it's from a verse in, in the Bible, Jeremiah 12, 5, and basically, I paraphrase because there's different uh, explanations of that verse, but it's basically saying, if you are weary running with footmen, how can you run with the horses? And if you are tired in the land of peace, how will you do in the thickets of Jordan? And Made for More was all about your identity. And to run with horses is all about your destiny. So there are some new sections within that book that is additional to the original book Made for More. Uh, although it is substantially the same, there are different aspects of it uh, that I felt like I was supposed to create for, for people today. So thank you for asking about that. Yeah, well, that makes sense. It's kind of like what I did when I have my books and workbooks still standing after all the tears mm -hmm. and the nine actions. And now we have the nine weapons of hope because you learn and you grow uh -huh. and you have more insight, right? Mm -hmm. But Absolutely. at the core of that book, then now that I know that, because I have read Made for More, if you, at the core of that is your story, right? right. From childhood through yes. fairly recently. Yes. And I don't know how much of that you want to share, but the reason I want people to understand what's in that book, by the way, the book is written in such an amazing way. It's a, it's a bigger book, but don't let that scare you because it is very captivating and very engaging. And I mean, it's almost unbelievable if I didn't know you that one tiny little person 
being Manico, has experienced all that you have, and yet your viewpoint of life and how happy and hopeful you are is is really amazing. And so I, I just when I when I was reading through your book when I first met you, I was thinking, how is that person the same one that went through that? How is it that she doesn't feel like a victim when she went through so many things? So maybe you could touch on some of those things. And then I'd really like to understand why and how you are the way you are in the face of all of that adversity. Oh, well, thank you. I, there's so much to say about that, but first I'll address some of the issues that I did go through, um, which well, well, let me just address them first. I talk a little bit about it in uh, one of the TED Talks that I gave, but it's extreme, uh, terrifying racism to the point where I was almost beaten um, to a pulp uh, as a child. And Because then, you're Chinese. Because I'm Chinese. Uh, I suffered child abuse of every kind. So imagine the worst of it. Uh, incest, depression, anorexia, agoraphobia, I had PTSD, I was raped, I had an abortion, I had miscarriages, uh, very, uh, very horrifyingly abused by a spouse. I had multiple divorces, I was a single mother, I had uh, very serious death threats, I was stalked, uh, I had really very painful betrayals, I was a part of a slander and libel campaign, uh, great thefts, and I had to start over in different countries uh, from a child and moving onwards into my adulthood. I suffered great economic devastation and uh, two suicide attempts. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't that easy. It was to the point where I, didn't, I just wanted it to, to go away. I wanted it to end. So I tried to take my life twice, but- uh, Well, both... can I just say, interrupt you for a minute? I, I'm really glad that you were kind of bad at that. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's the only thing that you're you're bad at, from what I can tell. Oh, you're adorable. Yeah, <laughs> the first one was really a miracle. Uh, there's no explanation. There's no explanation. I sh should not have been here. Actually, both of them were. And the second one, um, sh I shouldn't have been here. Uh, if anything, I should be brain dead. Uh, but uh, it was a miracle. I, I am not because of me, but because of who loves me my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that I am alive, I'm healthy, I'm whole, and that I was able not only to survive through all these things, but find meaning in each one of these things. And I don't want to give the idea that it came easily. It's work, as you know. Um, it's work to overcome things, but you will only know what is meaningful to you when you suffer for it. And so, um, you know, there was a, a, a saying, it was attributed to a few different people, one Viktor Frankl and one a, a Japanese poet, uh, Haru, Haruki Murakami. And he said, uh, pain is inevitable and suffering is optional. And I wholeheartedly disagree as wonderful and as uh, insightful and wise and uh, incredible thought leaders as these people are revolutionary thought leaders. Uh, what I would say, and I have said in my book, uh, Made for More and uh, To Run With Horses, is that pain is inevitable, but suffering is inescapable. However, misery is optional. Yeah, that's a pain. good way to put it because you're right, Mana, that to think that 
these things happen to you. These things happen to me, but some people don't have to go through anything. It's not true. Yeah. Yeah. It is not true. Everybody has to go through it. Something there's no one has been exempt from life. I don't know one person. Uh, in fact, all the greats of the world, everybody that we look up to, uh, we quote, we try to emulate, we try to learn from, has they have experienced great suffering. They've experienced great trauma, but it is in their overcoming that makes them great and inspirational. But it's not just for the elite few, it is for all of us. And it is, in short, the epic hero's journey. We're called to come into uh, a place of awakening from our mundane, typical lives to an opportunity and eventually other opportunities of incredible character development. The Lord cares about our happiness. He cares about our joy and our thriving, but not at the expense of our character. The character mm -hmm. development is everything because it is inescapable that we, uh, we, it is inescapable that we don't touch people. We touch people, we affect people, you know, and what we say, what we do, what we don't say, what we don't do all has impact. And so it is to be in this place of leadership, whether we want to admit it or not, that we have the greatest calling. And so it is in the suffering, which is the greatest blessing that can show others how to also grow, mature, heal, thrive, and then lead others because we go together. And so um, I think that's part of, that's a very small part of why we overcome. It's not just for ourselves, it's uh, for a greater purpose. It's for ourselves to understand meaning. It's for our own character development. It's to lead others and it's to inspire others to become the very, very best that they were destined to be. But don't you think that it's very, I mean, that's where we should all get to, but I feel as if when we, you and I've talked about this recently, people we want to avoid, we meaning the general population, we want to avoid suffering, adversity, like the plague. Yes. We, we want to avoid it. Everybody's looking for the stress-free, you know, sad-free life. And when the trauma comes, when the adversity comes, it's like, how do I endure this? How do I get past it? How do I get through it? But to get to that point, like you're talking about where you have that perspective of saying, I'm not saying you're going to enjoy. I'm sure that all those no. things you listed, you weren't enjoying them. No, never. But to come to that perspective where you can say something good can come from this, should, must come from this. Yeah. And that I'm learn, I will learn something because I think that's a choice to look at it that way. It is. It is. It's very interesting. Our constitution constitution says we have we're to pursue happiness. We have the right to pursue happiness. But the pursuit of happiness is not in the achieving of the thing that we think makes us happy. The pursuit of happiness is to help us discover the reason to become happy. And so I think we've taken the shortcut route 
and just been satisfied for a lesser blessing. Uh, temporary satisfaction, it's so fleeting. You know, the things that I thought looked good in the 1970s, I would never dress that way again. <laughs> things I, I thought- Hey, just, some of that stuff I like. Yeah. I like flare pants. I'm glad they're back. <laughs> but the 80s and the 90s, my hair, the- <laughs> I know. Oh my word, you know. <laughs> And I can tell you the things that I thought or felt were important to me. Hey, you and I are women. We've had our menstrual periods. I've been through menopause and I'm in post-menopause. I can tell you feelings change, you know, depending on the day and where you are in the week or the month and all of that. So everything changes. What we need is something that is stable, that is foundational. And why I think some people are, uh, very reticent to, to look at change or uh, finding the courage to do the hard work is because we are too stimulated. It is not normal and it is not natural for our minds to be constantly uh, on dopamine rushes with all our devices, with what culture tells us, with uh, shows, with movies, media, music, uh, entertainment, like it's not supposed to be this way. We have no downtime. Uh, there's a saying, you, you, you know this, you know, we go from zero to 60, mm -hmm. you know, very quickly in our emotions. But when people go through a lot, uh, like you and, and those that you serve, uh, they're already at 60 and they're going to 120. So when something else happens, it's very hard for them to rev down. So when something um, does happen, they're go not going from zero to 60, they're going from 60 to 120 or 120 to 240. And they just, they can't handle that kind of stress. It's like taking a jet fighter to, you know, uh, to G-force of 10. It's, it's very hard. So what we have to do is ramp down. We have to rev down and find ways to, discipline our minds so we don't, one, catastrophize things, and two, we find the joy and the peace of the little things. And I think it was Booker T. Washington that said, success in life is founded upon the attention to the small things. Uh, everyday things uh, are the, the, can be the rarest and the most uncommon, and therefore uh, the most miraculous. I paraphrase him, but I think that's where we need to just slow down a little bit. We're not in a comparison uh, competition with anybody. Uh, we are just trying to live our best lives. And I think by slowing down a little bit, not catastrophizing things, appreciating the little things, we, we can find that equanimity. You know, one of the things I noticed as I was going into my adult life, and then my mature adult life, and now I'm in my 60s, um, I'm, some people have said to me, how can you be so grateful? How can you be so happy? And I think it's because I know what it's like not to have. So when you don't have, it's, it's very easy to be thankful. Some people choose to hoard and um, to be selfish, but that doesn't really promote joy. I don't know anyone who's really selfish that is truly happy. It's only in the giving 
uh, and in seeing other people flourish that I think we can truly be happy. Yes, I totally agree with you. And then I sit and I think about how you said, people say, how can you be grateful? And I think about even in my own journey after Jamie dying and me thinking, wow, I'm having this weird moment of just happiness out of the mm -hmm. blue. And I think sometimes people think, well, that shouldn't be happening. There's something wrong with me. Um, if, you know, but we, but what is the difference between somebody who looks at it that way? Because first of all, you have to look at it that way, because as you're saying, well, I didn't have it before. So I'm grateful because now I know what it feels like to be like this. But I think that it is tempting and probably the majority of people in your situation and a lot of others would head the other direction, which is into victimhood, into self-pity. Mm -hmm. And and I don't know if there's one answer to what's the difference between this person and that person, but there has to be ways to look at things to keep yourself from winding up in that powerless place we know is very powerless of being a victim. Yes, the self-pity is fascinating. It's um, we get there by over pondering the question of why. Yes. And, 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 and it comes quite naturally. We come, people who get there, it's often prompted by the most genuine and honest, uh, hearted, open-hearted pursuit to understand. However, without guidance, without leadership, without good direction, it can quickly go into instead of why and what can I learn and how can I grow and how can I serve and how can people be better? It turns into from why to why me. And then, and then it's once you're there, it's a very fast spiral. And it, uh, it first goes to um, bitterness and then it goes to self-pity. And if we backtrack a little bit, what I, I, I love working with distinctions because in, through distinctions, we can get clarity almost immediately. And here's what I mean by that. <clears throat> There's a distinction between expectation versus anticipation. Expectation is a fantasy land. It is made up, uh, it's a made up world of what we expect so our interpretation of what is right, what is wrong, uh, what is just, what is good, it's not founded on principles of truth, but on our own personal uh, interpretation of something. So expectation is based on fantasy. It leads to disappointment because seldom does everything work out the exact same way that we think it should. Never. That leads to resentment. That leads to bitterness. That leads to false hope. That leads to why bother? that leads to self-pity. Now, if we change it though to anticipation, that's very different because anticipation is the balance of reality with possibility. So you're grounded in truth. You're grounded in the reality. You're grounded in facts. And you are still hopeful, but you are not controlling, dominating the situation. You're just saying, I am hopeful with the possibility of something good, which leads you to appreciation and gratitude, which leads to maturity, wisdom, strength, courage, and true hope. 
And this is the where I think a lot of people fall into that, that self-pity trap because they had false hope based on false expectations as opposed to true hope, which was based on anticipation where there isn't the control factor, the manipulation factor, the domination factor. And so if I was to say anything to your followers, your community, of which there are so many and have grown so much, I would encourage them to look at areas of places where they have had expectation that have led them to disappointment, resentment, bitterness, and self-pity, and areas where they were in just open anticipation, balancing reality with possibility, and then being open for God to work in his perfect way. The things that should be happening, could be happening, ought to be happening, and is destined to be is destined to happen for your greater good. Because when we're in it, we cannot see what is good. We can only see the pain. But that's where we can choose misery is optional. Yeah. If we can understand suffering is inescapable, we're going to suffer. If you have lived one day in your life, if you care about anything, you will suffer. If you have a dog, a pet, a child, if you um, have a dream, if you um, go on a diet, if you try to, to work on a test and go to school, if you have uh, a, a relationship, a friendship, you're going to suffer because you love. Love is includes suffering. It's inescapable. It's inescapable. I think Viktor Frankl once said, I grasp the meaning of the greatest secret that human poetry, human thought, and human belief has to impart. And it is this, it is the salvation of man through love and in love. Love is the only way. And it sounds trite. It sounds cliche. But if we understand the true capital T meaning of love, we will know that suffering defines our meaning and then misery can be optional. Yes, I love this, ex the difference between expectation and anticipation. That was such a great explanation. I was trying to make notes without making noise. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting that, cause I just got through recording before I was, before we got on, um, another episode and I talked about that very thing about why me, oh, because yeah. when I was in, you know, I spent all my years in, with Jamie and her addiction. I asked now, now it's almost like I'm in a counseling session, Dr. Mana, <laughs> what I did back then, <laughs> what I did is I would. I would do that. I would. And I think what the angle I was coming from would be interesting to hear your perspective is that it felt unfair to me. So I'm saying, why me? Because, and I'm doing the comparison thing, which I actually teach people not to do, but that's how I learned not to do it. Sure, sure. I would say I, it's not fair. I've got four siblings. Nobody's a better parent than me. Um, I'm the one that seeks after God, not them, you know, whatever I go through my list, sure, sure. you know, I go through my petition, my list and I go, why me? Why am I the one with a daughter in addiction? Why, you know, Jamie was the least likely. Why me? Why me? So I did that for, you know, 13 years or so. 
And then one day I'm standing in the mirror and I think God reached down his hand and you know how you want him to reach down and pick you up and you know save you. I think he reached down and slapped me in the face because I literally out loud in the mirror to that woman staring back, I said, why not you? Mm. And so I think that we come to, we, we either stay stuck there. We go, I mean, who, why are you so special that you don't have to suffer? Mm. Why not you be the one that takes this and does something with it? Right, right. Right. But I think what it, but I think what I was doing is I was comparing mm. and it didn't seem fair. Mm-hmm. And I think some people get stuck in that. What do you think about that perspective? That that's what a lot of people are doing is they're looking at other people and going, well, this isn't fair. Why me? Like, like a capital M-E. Why me? Yeah. There's a, a funny proverb And I don't know from which culture it comes, but I heard it once a long, long time ago. And it's a a story that goes like this. You gather anybody from any culture, anywhere around the world, any community, and say you get 12 12 of you, 15 of you, eight of you, and uh, you, you stand in a circle facing each other and everybody writes down their story in bullet points. And then you throw it in the circle. And you say, all right, um, my life is uh, so bad, I want yours. Let me read your story. And if we do this all around the circle, nobody would pick up another person's story. They would stick with their own and say, oh, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, Yeah, that's perspective, huh? Yes, yes. And, um, you know, there... I think it's Viktor Frankl again. I I I just love his perspective on things because Mana, can you believe I just read Man's Search for Meaning? Oh wow. It's been so, on my list for well, I'm 61, so a few decades. And I think about a month ago I finally read that book. Okay, so you'll remember this quote. He says it. when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Oh, and then wow. goes, yeah, he goes on to say, it is not freedom from conditions, but it is freedom to take a stand towards the conditions. So we can say, why me all the time? Uh, but why? <laughs> Where will it take you? Nowhere. It will just take you down the uh, resentment loop of self-pity that continues to divide and repel because nobody wants to be around somebody who has self-pity. No one. It is not attractive. And while we might garner some compassion initially, maybe even pity, which would be horrifying. I'd hate anybody to pity me. Me too. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, it doesn't sustain. It doesn't. You know, and what I what I uh, learned, there was a researcher, a PhD, her name is Jill Bolt Taylor. And basically she's saying, in a nutshell, if we're really scared of looking at something or something is so traumatizing, dare to go into it for 90 seconds, just 90 seconds. And I thought, okay, I'm gonna try that because there was, there's been many seasons of my life where the beast would just whisper, you remember when? Oh, do you remember how you did that? Or do you remember who did that? And, uh, but it's usually my stupid mistakes. And, uh, and then I could quickly go down a rabbit hole 
and go, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed or I'm so ashamed or whatever. But when I go into it for 90 seconds, very truthfully, uh, Valerie, within less than 30 seconds, I'm out of it. I'm already on the next thing. And the pain, the intensity, the control, and the lie of its strength over me completely goes away. And the more often I do it, the less hold it has on me. You know what I really like about that? Yeah. Is that you're not, because what people do, it's like how I always say, don't crawl inside the hole in your heart and stay there. Uh So I feel like people are thinking that here's what you have to do with your trauma, your loss, your grief, whatever. You have to just either avoid it or get past it by sort of avoiding it or not thinking about it. Yeah, it's denial. We could, and it looks really good. We've mastered um, denial in a very powerful way of current culture. It's the spiritual bypass. So we look like we're very, very wise, very spiritual, very loving. And, you know, but meanwhile, we're, we're like those um, uh, dancing mosquitoes on the, on the ponds. You know, we just dance on the water. We never, never can go deep. Uh, you and I talked a long time ago about post-traumatic growth. Yes. And it's growing through the pain. It, nobody wants, I, I have a hard time with the word resiliency. I understand the intention behind it, but the reason we're resilient, implicit in that means that we suffered some kind of uh, event and it's negative and or some kind of trauma. And the last thing I want to do is to go back to the same place I was when it happened. If that traumatic event did not do something for my soul, my spirit, my mind, my body, my wholeness, then it would have been in vain. I have to go beyond where I was and that's what post-traumatic growth is, is allowing the pain of the event to make me better. You know, we don't get to choose what we get in life, but we get to choose what we take from it. And we can either take really smelly pipes and smelly t-shirts and smelly, you know, uh, trinkets back with us from, from wherever it was that we landed. Or we can choose, you know what, I'm going to grow through this and I'm going to only take what I need, which are usually the lessons. So um, I think to answer the victim part of it, one, it takes courage and, and uh, and it takes some skills, which you teach so beautifully in all your programs, in every single one of your programs. And what I hear you often saying is, it's not what's wrong with you. It's what's right, what's right with you. The very reason people even come to see you, come take your classes, come take is a part of your membership and comes to your events is because there's something very right with them. They understand already there's an inherent wisdom that led them to you and your work. So it's not that something's wrong with them. They have to reframe it to say, look what's good about me. Look what's right about me to catch this. And here I am, because hopeful people are always learning. Uh, and those will be always the people that you will attract. Yes, I totally agree with that. 
So Mana, now you and I could talk for hours upon hours, but this, you know what, what happens every time I talk to you, I feel like I go into the silent mode because my brain is spinning around <laughs> all of these thoughts and things that I, I think I want to um, remember, but I get to listen to this. Um, but tell me, what is a behavioral and social hope scientist? Oh, okay. So I study people. I, I love, uh, I love thinking. <laughs> and it's, as you can tell by my bio, I love to learn. I really love to learn. Uh, and when I was a little girl, one of the things I, I wanted to do was to learn uh, about concepts. And I wanted to learn languages because I thought if we could learn to understand one another and communicate with one another, then we have a chance. Humanity has a chance. And so a social hope scientist is one that I believe I am. And I don't know if there's such a thing. I made that up for myself. I is, love it. I guess I'm, I'm one too then. Yeah. Because when we're together, we can understand legitimately the truth of who we are, our identity, our destiny, and the beauty of our incredible creation, and together find ways to manifest uh, community, manifest joy, manifest uh, togetherness, manifest strategies to overcome and to go through, because the only way out, we talked about other things before, like denial and spiritual bypasses and, and you know, all those other things, but the only way out is through. And the only way out is with each other, because in the presence of godly counsel, we can flourish, but without each other, we're just, you know, one blind man looking at one part of the proverbial elephant. We need each other. So as a social hope scientist, I love the idea of hope. I love the idea of presence. So there's a difference between hope and faith, which we can get to another time maybe, but um, everybody needs hope. There's a saying, you can live without food for 40 days, water without four days, um, oxygen uh, for four minutes, but you can't live without hope for four seconds because our spirit was created to have eternity in it. So unless we can look to something good, better, new, and sweet, uh, we will die. We will die. So I'd like I to- I love that. I'm a scientist to find out ways that we could find hope together. And, and we are- yeah, and a behavioral scientist, that's been around a long time. Uh, just learning from the behaviors of us interesting creatures and how we interact with one another. And that goes towards um, uh, being a social hope scientist. I so love that. Mana, I'm so honored just to know you, but to have you come to our Freedom Experience Yes. In Phoenix in October is, I mean, who gets to have mana come to their oh, event? No. And I to serve and, and to help you at the back of the room. And, and oh, you're going to, we have, oh, I've got a lot planned. You're not, you're going to be on your feet, girl. Because um, <laughs> there's just, it's going to be so much fun where people will learn, but have fun doing it. Um, and 
I know people are going to come away with hope. Oh, good. 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 I'm so looking forward to that. So definitely get your tickets to the freedom experience because you don't yes. want to miss Mana. Um, you are in for a real treat when you see her live. Mm. So, but I, before we sign off, because I'm hoping that you'll come back and we can talk about other topics on other episodes. Yes, I would love to. Okay. So awesome. But uh, I wanted people to know um, how to find you. And I know there are different websites, but humanity, don't you guys love that play on words? She is a word smith, my friends. <laughs> this is, this woman has a way with words. Um, humanity, which is, you know, human, H-U-M-A-N-N-A-T-E-A. So humanity, you, if you also look up Manico, you'll find her, K-O. Uh, but before we sign off, oh, and also definitely go to Amazon and look for to run with horses and get her book. And like I said, I some people are so concerned about the number of pages. You have to get this book and get into it and you will, the pages will fly by because it's so interesting and the way it's written, the perspectives are really different. Um, yeah. I love it. So, but Thank you. And also your children's books. I, I'm going to have to get one of those children's books. Um, but what I wanted to um, also mention was that I know you have another initiative going. I don't know if you wanted to talk about that at all. Yeah, I uh, my passion these past five, six years is uh, to fight child sex trafficking. There's many, many other organizations to do that, but I do it in such a way I bookend the industry and I've created a roadmap for it. And we're working on a website that hopefully will be available mid-July uh, for all those um, interested in it. I will have free giveaways, PDFs, ideas and uh, tips to help. It is going to be a little bit different than other uh, organizations because I bookend this industry. So I. I interrupt the supply, which is so grotesque to say as our children, uh, but I interrupt the supply through empowered awareness. And so we, we talk about situational awareness. We talk about a lot of practical tools to get very wise to the enemy. And, um, and we have training programs for kids from nine to, uh, to 12, and then 13 to 18, and then uh, 18 and over, which includes parents. And then I bookend the other end of it is, unfortunately, there are those that get through, go into this heinous industry and get caught in it. But for those who are blessed enough to come out, uh, I have uh, ways to help them uh, get back into the world in a safe way. So we do uh, skill set training, uh, entrepreneurial training and provide different things for them so that they don't think their body is the only way they can make money. And um, yeah, yeah Anna, I, that is so good. And, and you know what, the, sad to say though, but because you know, the world that my daughter was in with addiction yes, yes. Um, and you know, there, there was some of that going on in her life um, because it is so common, of course, I'm sure you would know more than I would for these people, because I'm sure it's boys and girls yeah. um, who are in sex trafficking to be on drugs. Oh, it's, it's mandatory. Uh, it's one of the, first, it's a psychological thing that they, they this, this whole tactic they do. 
and then they get them on drugs very quickly because it's the easiest way to control them. Sure. And so, yeah. 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 That's really a sad. So is this um, website going to be unapologetically for the children? Uh, no, that's the initiative, but the website will be humanity for all. So it's uh, H-U-M-A-N-N-A. So my name's in there. Uh, human is in there. Manatees are in there because I love animals. And then the T part is in there because I love um, our land. And I, I want to help people understand uh, the bounty we have in our land and uh, through regenerative farming and honoring our land and uh, that we can all be very easily cared for and thrive in on this planet. So that's, oh, that's what beautiful. We, well, they'll be able to, you'll have a link to that on humanity, yes. right? Yeah, uh, yes, it won't be available just yet. It'll be Humanity for All, which is the uh, charitable organization that will be available. That will be ready hopefully in a month. Okay, so, that's awesome. Well, when you come back, yeah. we'll talk more about that. And okay. um, so I just wanted to say too that I might need to get an, a hold of another t shirt that says unapologetically for the I children for rich. Yes. for rich, because Mana, he's got to take that thing off and wash it sometime. Oh, bless his heart. I will I'm say not kidding. Him. He's wearing it today. Oh, he literally is washing white clothes all the time so he can keep rewearing the t-shirt. Oh, that is so sweet. I'll send you guys some. Totally. <laughs> I'm just teasing you, but I'm, I'm not joking about how much he wears this t-shirt. Oh, that's so sweet. I will send you some. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you again, Mana. Uh, we'll talk again soon. I so appreciate, I hope everyone will check out what Mana's doing now and in July, what she's doing with her new initiative. And uh, definitely come and see her in October because she is, uh, she's not even one in a million. She's one in a billion on this planet. I'm just so honored to know her and I want you to know her too. Oh, thank you. I feel the same about you. We'll have a lot of fun together. Okay, thanks again, Mana. I love you. Love you. Thank you all. Hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to you joining me again next week. But let's not forget, I want to meet you also in person at the Freedom Experience in Scottsdale, Arizona, which is just outside of Phoenix on October 6th and 7th. You're going to learn about some of the concepts in our podcast episodes and so much more. So join us. You deserve this. You deserve to be free from whatever is holding you back or keeping you down. Hope to see your beautiful face in Phoenix, Scottsdale on October 6th and 7th for the Freedom Experience. Go to ValerieSilvera.com and get your tickets. Make a commitment. Together, we can do this. Together, we can not only stand through everything, we can move forward as warriors in hope.